Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm going to talk you through how to replace yourself in your business or your job. Now, a lot of this is brought by some inspiration by a wonderful book I read that I'd highly recommend checking out, which is called Built to Sell. Very easy read. I read it within one day last Saturday. Now, if you're in a position right now, you're frustrated with your business or you're not happy with the amount of like work-life balance or you want to go and do something else, there's a couple of things you really need to think about. Firstly, what's the vision of the business? Where do you want it to go? Because one of the first things we focus on when people come to work with the seven-year scaling systems is what do you want the business to look like in three to five years? What do you want your life to look like in three to five years? How many hours a week do you want to look like? Because that's going to work like, because that's going to determine what your business setup needs to be and how the systems are and the foundation structure in terms of the team you have. So once you have that down, I'd go sit somewhere quiet, map that out when you've got a clear head, probably first thing in the morning so you've got no distractions. When you've done that, what I suggest you do is this. Get a plain piece of paper, put a line down the middle of it. On the left, put love. On the right, do loathe. Now, what I want you to do is write a list of everything you do every single day. And they either have to go on the left, things you love to do, on the right, things you loathe to do. Now, the goal with this exercise is very simple. The things you loathe to do, we have to find someone else to do. That's the reality. And you should be doing this quite frequently. I'd probably recommend every 12 to six, uh, twelve weeks to six months um, because you'll find that you end up accumulating more tasks that you perhaps shouldn't be doing. So in terms of what I would look to probably delegate and why, uh, we'll come on to that slightly later on. But in terms of the next steps after you've done the love and loathe task, you need to start thinking about how can I build this business efficiently? So a couple of things. Number one, AI and automation. So AI is a phenomenal tool. And I felt like I put my head through my computer screen the other day when I saw a comment from one of our VAs who spends four to six hours writing podcast notes. I was like, that's fucking retarded. Um, funnily enough, the same day I'd found an AI system, I think it's called Melville.ai, I think that's it, um, which does podcast notes in nine minutes. That's quite a saving, saving six hours versus nine minutes. So the reality is, you need to try and think about the efficiencies of what you're doing with your business. Because one of the biggest mistakes, and I'll teach this from in terms of mistakes I've made, is a lot of inefficiencies in the back-end systems where people are just doing pointless tasks. So people making reports that we don't use, people doing uh, just tasks that are pointless. And the key thing is you're actually using people's resources and time and money to do that. So that's a huge thing to understand. But the point I'm coming to is that one of the quickest ways to scale your business at the beginning is hiring cheaper labour. Now, we're in a wonderful situation right now where we can hire people from all over the world who work remotely. We've got maybe 10, 12 people who work for me in the Philippines. We pay like four or five dollars an hour. They do, they're editing this right now. They do a phenomenal job in terms of the podcast work we do. Um, and the reality is in terms of getting the best team is about sometimes having manpower and, and hours. Like the better the manpower you have, the bigger the team you have, the more output you can create. And particularly looking to scale makes a big difference. Now, with certain um, job positions and companies, you need to have higher skill sets. I would recommend paying slightly more, in particular when it comes to sales and lead generation, because um, those individuals need to have an understanding of Western culture. Now, let, let me explain why. So, for example, if we had um, a virtual assistant who's in the mountains of Pakistan and they're trying to sell a CEO of a Fortune 500 company on a fitness call in the United States, that's a big mix match of culture. 
and it's not going to really go very well. So the reality is I recommend you try and hire first world call setters and obviously all phone closers need to be first world. So that would be the key thing. And then focusing on the people who are coming through are what we like to call A players. So they come in and they're already at like level seven, level eight. You don't want to get people level three and four that you then have to train because reality is you're only going to get them to a six or a seven. Which if you bring someone in who's six and a seven, you can take them to a nine and that's when you start building a world-class team. Because what you have to think about is it's often the opportunity cost in terms of training these people rather than um, the actual money cost in terms of like you having to pay them a little bit more. So this is a really important thing to understand. And probably a mistake I made two, three years ago at the start, I was just trying to hire the cheapest people possible because I was worried about expenses rather than income and time. And the most valuable thing you have is your time and also your mental bandwidth. And I'll give you a really good expression. If you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. I'm sure you've heard that, right? But the reality is if you pay peanuts, you also have to have someone manage the monkeys. That's going to be you. So do you want to manage loads of them? Probably not, because that gets very tedious. And the reality is if you hire really intelligent people, the chances are you just give them clear direction, they'll execute on it. Whereas from experience I've seen with other people from third world countries that sometimes they need to be told three, four, five times, they keep making the same mistakes. So the reality is in terms of making sure you hire good quality people. Now, in terms of delegation, what should you go delegate first? What should you delegate last? Let's start with first. First two things you need to delegate. We've done the love and loathe task. If you haven't done that yet, pause this and do that. Now, I would delegate everything, A, you don't like doing, and B, that is in terms of admin. That needs to go. So you should have a virtual assistant or an administrator. If you've got a bigger business, you should have an executive assistant like I do. Um, like And even that side to side, if you... You shouldn't be cooking your own food. If you think how much uh, you can buy a meal for and what your time's worth, it is retarded for you to be spending an hour a day cooking. Like, if I equate what my time is worth, I'd be one of the highest paid chefs in Dubai. It'd be retarded. So, whereas I can just get meals delivered for like $7 or $10 or whatever they are. So, don't be cooking your food. You should also have someone cleaning your house. You shouldn't be fucking doing laundry. Focus on doing what you're good at. Delegation starts home. So, we delegate admin, delegate all your home chores, uh, I would say if you had a partner, you could try and push them that to them. Sort of plug. Um, next thing I say, delegation after that is going to be fulfillment. So the actual coaching process. So if you're a fitness uh, fitness coach, one of the first things you want to try and take yourself out of is you don't want to be doing 200 check-ins a week. That's not a scalable business, and you're going to be stuck working in the business, not working on the business. And I speak from experience of this, where I was at one point I had like 230 online clients, and I had a wonderful idea that was this. I'll get them all checking on Friday and they said one day a week and I can keep all the money. The check-ins would come in so fast I could not reply. Um, and then obviously some people check in late and it ended up being Saturday and then some of them still check in Sunday and it was a bit of a mess. Um, I struggled through and then I remember actually on a flight to Dubai ironically I actually hired my first employee head coach which is Jeremy who's now worked for me for four or five years so uh, that's been a bit of a ride um, but this is the key thing and why I teach from experiences I've been there and made all the mistakes that you're probably making right now and the key thing is that you don't know what you don't know something seems like a great idea at the time until someone makes it blatantly aware and like one of the things that I always we always are people are super blunt and honest it's like that's a really fucking stupid idea and it's often sometimes in terms of you seeing success with your business it's not what you're told to do that's important. It's often what you're not told not to do that's more important. So always delegate first, fulfillment, admin. The last two things you want to delegate are these two things. Number one, marketing. 
number two is sales. So marketing sales are the lifeblood of the business. In reality, you're the face of the business, so you're always probably going to be the best person in terms of sales because the people are signing up for you. They want your program, they want your help. In terms of marketing, you understand your message better than anyone else, or you should do. Now, one of the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to their message is actually not thinking about who they are. They try to be like someone else. So tell your own story. Are you a dad? Have you broken your back? Have you? What are your achievements? Like everyone's got a backstory, and that backstory will be relatable. So that's really what you should use for marketing and honing in on, and not making mistakes in terms of um, trying to copy what other people are doing. And that's why the fitness industry is so saturated with BS content at the moment because so many people are just copying one another. Now, the last thing I want to finish on is this very simple point. Uh, I really took this from heart from the book Built to Sell. And that's thinking about making your program a product, not a service. So basically, a product is like something off the shelf. You sell something that's basically systematized um, and it's not customized and bespoke to everyone. Now, why is that important? Because that has to be scalable. So the product is you have a certain system that you use everyone, uh, you stay within those boundaries. You then, because just because you have someone approaches you, say for example, I'm, I help people get shredded to go to Ibiza and Sana, say for example. Um, just because someone approaches me and they want to learn yoga doesn't mean start coaching them how to do yoga when I have no clue how to do it. Because that's going to be a massive distraction. I'm going to have to try and work out that. I haven't got the systems and programs for it. So think about you focus on the one program product that you have and that is a product and you really push that and that's the way you do things so the way we work in terms of coaching is we actually have 12 month programs mapped out we have like phase one to 12 and we release those monthly for our clients we adjust them as we need to if there's anything that doesn't fit but generally we put clients through those programs and that's how we work and that's how we get world-class results because it's also a bulletproof system that 10,000 other people have been through and I say to people, it's like, okay, um, would you rather have something that no one's ever done before or would you rather use a system that 10,000 people have used that works? They're probably going to go with the 10,000. And that's reality. So the real thing you want to think about is um, keeping your product, your system, like your service, like a product, not a service. Now, when it comes to really getting yourself out of the business, this comes down to planning. So I set yourself a goal for the next 12 weeks. What's the first thing you could delegate or eliminate? That is the key. Now, from here... When you're looking to try and take your business to the next level, you have to protect your energy and your bandwidth. The more energy and bandwidth you have, the more time you can focus on working on the business, not being stuck in the business. And if you're in the point right now where you're looking to try and blow up your fitness business and take it to the next level, if you're in the point where you're in a business right now and you're not sure where you're going or where you want to go, the key thing is in terms of getting to the next level is getting support and guidance from someone who's actually been there. We've created a multiple seven-figure fitness business that we still actively run every single day. And I can teach you what works right now in the fitness business and what actually works like tomorrow. Rather than what most people are doing is they're teaching you things that worked two to three years ago. So the reality is if you're looking to try and take the next leap and push your business up and you're feeling stuck, lost and confused and you don't know what to do every single day, the message is to find out for help and how we can get you to the next level like we've done with numerous other clients. So if you drop me a message with the word scale, on Instagram at Charlie Johnson Fitness or Seven Figure Scaling Systems to find out how we can help you. If you took some value from this episode, make sure you smash the like button on YouTube, comment below any questions, subscribe, and share this episode with a friend. And we'll see you next episode very soon.